There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This episode contains distressing themes and descriptions of violence. This podcast is intended for a mature audience. Listener caution is advised. They Walk Among Us is part of the Acast Creator Network. November 1991. Rumours were circulating around the village of Northiam in Sussex about 52-year-old Terry Daddo and his 51-year-old wife, Jean. The malicious gossip focused on their love life as well as Terry's business dealings. In an attempt to set the record straight, Terry and Jean went to unusual measures. They addressed a letter to the local newspaper requesting that it be printed. Terry was satisfied when the advert ran in the personal column of the paper on November 26th. He thought it would finally put a stop to the idle chit-chat. That night, as Terry and Jean lay in bed and began to drift off to sleep, The silence was broken by the sound of heavy footsteps on the path leading to their front door. Welcome to Season 7, Episode 26 of They Walk Among Us, a podcast dedicated to UK true crime. Terence Daddo, or Terry as he was more commonly known, 
was born in the Cornish town of Redruth in 1939. He graduated from East End and Redruth Grammar School and after leaving, was employed as a postman before shifting roles to work on the counter at Red Ruth Post Office. He felt his opportunities were limited, so Terry moved to a different company where he believed he could progress. Terry accepted a job at Lloyd's Bank in Tenterden, Kent, and worked his way up, starting as a cashier and then advancing to a financial advisor. It was there in 1985 where he met Jean, a hairdresser and regular customer at the bank. One day she came into the branch flustered and distressed at the theft of her credit card. This was a chance meeting and they were not looking for love as both Terry and Jean were already married to other people with whom they had children. It was said that Jean had been unhappy in her marriage. At first, the relationship between her and Terry was strictly platonic, before progressing into an affair. As Jean recalled, Because there was such an incredible magnetism between us, it was impossible. He would ring from the bank at work and at home. We started writing love letters. I wasn't much good at letters, but Terry wrote beautiful poetry. As their infatuation grew, they wanted to be together permanently and both broke up with their respective partners. Once their divorces were finalised, they eloped to Scotland and got married at Gretna Green on June 6, 1989. The newlywed couple were financially comfortable as they started out their marriage, living in a grade two listed property named Chapel Field Cottage. It was a red brick building, surrounded by a colourful English garden. Inside the cottage was postcard perfect, with a substantial fireplace and a traditional country-style kitchen. Chapelfield Cottage was conveniently located, just a short walk away from the village of Northiam in Sussex. Eventually, Terry retired from Lloyd's Bank for health reasons, but his pension meant that the couple remained financially stable. Terry and Jean Daddo were well known in the community it was common knowledge that Chapelfield Cottage had been purchased for them by a wealthy 91-year-old client of Terry's, Anne Burton. By 1991, rumours began circulating locally about the couple, questioning the moral and legal implications of them purchasing the property with an elderly business associate's money. Whispering villagers were not the only people to feel uneasy about the transaction. Anne's family had raised some concerns regarding the acquisition. In turn, they felt there was no other option than to report Terry Daddo to Lloyds, his former employer. The bank conducted an investigation, but found nothing improper had taken place, 
informing the family that Terry had an unblemished record. Even so, the bank's findings did not ease people's minds. And Burton was not the first elderly woman to shower the couple with gifts. Some suggested that foul play was running rampant at Chapel Field Cottage, so Terry and Jean were reported to officers at the fraud squad, who, much like Lloyd's, could not find any evidence of illegal activity. In an attempt to dispel any rumours, Terry Daddo decided to place an advert in the weekly free paper, The Weldon Advertiser. It read, Daddo, Terry Jean, because of the malicious gossip would like it known they are happily married and together. All have been proved by solicitors, etc., not guilty of fraud, theft or senility. Thanks to the few friends who believed in us, perhaps the rest could find themselves to criticise or work for their sick minds. Terry sent the peculiar letter along with a cheque, and it arrived at the Weldon Advertiser toward the end of November 1991. Staff at the newspaper opened up the correspondence and scanned through its contents. One member of staff would later recall, I can remember it arriving and thinking it was very strange. I showed it to the managing director to check if it was okay to print. The letter was given the go-ahead and published in the personal column of the Weldon Advertiser on the morning of November 26th. That night, Harry and Jean Daddo retired to bed, anticipating a peaceful night's sleep for the first time since the rumours began. Around 10.30pm, they were roused from their sleep by the sound of footsteps on the path leading up to their front door. Moments later, the doorbell rang. It was late, and neither Terry nor Jean were expecting guests, so they lay in bed contemplating whether they should open the front door or just wait in bed for the caller to leave. They chose the latter, but the person outside was persistent, continuing to ring the doorbell. Terry finally relented, got out of bed, pulled on his dressing gown, and went sleepily down the stairs. He approached the front door and unlocked it. As he opened the door, Terry saw a shadowy figure in front of him. Only a single distant streetlight illuminated the unexpected caller. Before Terry got a chance to question the person who had managed to drag him from the comfort of his bed... There was a flash and a deafening bang. At that moment, Terry was flung backwards into the hallway before hitting the ground. Smoke and an unfamiliar smell hung heavy in the air, and Terry realised his robe was saturated. He was bleeding profusely from the chest. The gunman walked through the front door. The barrel was aimed at Terry again before the trigger was pulled for a second time 
and Terry's chest was penetrated with hot lead. The shadowy figure then bolted from the scene as Jean looked down the stairs. She saw Terry crumpled on the floor, motionless. Jean picked up the telephone and dialed 999. When the operator answered, she wailed, Help me. Send the police. Someone has just shot my husband. Based on the massive injuries to his chest, it was clear that Terry Daddo had passed away on the doorstep. A 12-bore shotgun was the weapon used to cause his death, which was almost instantaneous as the lead pellets obliterated his heart. Police officers descended on the picturesque village, one of whom was PC Andrew Smith. He approached the front door, and Jean ushered him inside. She was frantic and in tears as she explained what happened. The team of officers investigating the shooting was led by Detective Superintendent Brian Foster. One of the things they quickly became privy to was Terry's letter which had been published shortly before he was killed, so the senior investigating officer appealed for help in tracing Terry's former business clients. The detective stated, This was a savage and deliberate act. The advertisement indicated that the Daddos were concerned that people were gossiping about their affairs and wanted to put the record straight. We want to know what sort of gossip is referred to. It could provide a motive for what was a cold-blooded killing. From the outset, opinions and rumours were relayed back to investigators. It was clear that a large pool of people held negative feelings toward the Dados. While attempting to track down any of Terry's former clients, officers also spoke with his wife to determine if she could assist in identifying the killer. Jean told police that after Terry went downstairs, she heard shouting before hearing the thunderous blow of the shotgun. Jean then suggested a potential suspect, Michael Pearson, the nephew of Anne Burton who had purchased the home for the Dados. The following morning, Michael Pearson was awoken by the telephone. When he answered, Michael was informed that his house was surrounded by armed officers. He was arrested on suspicion of murder. Asked about his whereabouts on the night Terry Daddo was shot, Michael Pearson confirmed he had a cast-iron alibi. He was out drinking with John Cruttenden, the former assistant chief constable of Kent Police. Upon clarifying his whereabouts, Michael was immediately allowed to leave the police station. The search for Terry Daddo's killer continued. In early January, 
Jean Daddo spoke publicly for the first time since her husband was killed. During a press conference, Terry's widow tearfully pleaded for information that would lead to the arrest of the person responsible for ending Terry's life so abruptly. Jean admitted that their relationship had its ups and downs, but probably no more than the average marriage. She also said that she could not think of anybody who would want to bring Terry to harm. It had been two months since Terry Daddo was killed, and police announced that they had yet to establish a firm motive for the targeted killing in such a peaceful village. The tips had been received in drips, not a downpour, and investigators were hopeful at least one call would quickly lead to the culprit, but it was not to be. That said, toward the end of January, there was a shocking twist in the case when it was announced that Jean Daddo had been arrested in connection with Terry's murder alongside 22-year-old Roger Blackman. Blackman was Jean's son from her previous marriage. During the investigation, it had been unearthed by the police that behind the privet hedges of Chapelfield Cottage, something sinister had been brewing. It was discovered that £12,000 had been removed from the Dado's joint bank account. When queried, Jean told the police that she had withdrawn the money to keep it safe at home in case of emergencies. She explained that she had hidden it in a cash box in the loft, but when the police went to retrieve it, they could not find it. The box Jean described was later discovered near the fireplace. However, the £12,000 was not stored inside for safekeeping as she suggested. Another financial red flag was unearthed regarding Terry's will. Just three weeks before he was killed, he had changed it. In the rewrite, Jean profited greatly, somewhere in the region of £300,000. Terry's three children he had with his previous wife were now excluded. Proceeds from his half of a property he owned in Kent were switched from his sons to Jean. Terry's widow was now left to explain to investigators how this had come about. She claimed the reason behind it was due to Terry having an argument with his ex-wife, Teresa. Jean stated, It was a verbal agreement between Terry and I that I would still see to it that his sons got a share but officers from the Sussex Constabulary would discover that there was no evidence Jean had split the fortune after Terry was killed. The paper trail showed that in fact she had begun financial preparations before Terry was dead. In the months leading up to the shooting, Jean had opened up more than 30 different bank and building society accounts, and they were all under her sole control. What's more, when the financial evidence was uncovered, some of Jean's secret lovers began to come out of the woodwork. When he was alive, Terry had always suspected that his wife was having an affair, 
but the police now had evidence. Some of these men had even become lodgers at the home Jean had shared with her husband. Detectives began working on the theory that Jean had paid somebody to kill her husband, possibly her own son, Roger Blackman. Feeling like the net was closing in around her, Jean Daddo attempted to divert the police's attention away from her and on to someone else. She told officers that shortly before Terry was killed, she had found a condom in her car and suggested that Terry had been having an affair. Perhaps he could have been targeted by a jealous boyfriend or husband. Jean felt that surely this was something the police needed to consider. While detectives suspected they had a motive, they did not have any direct evidence that could link Jean and her son to the murder of Terry Daddo, so the pair were released without bail. Investigators continued working on the theory that Jean Daddo was somehow responsible and identified another potential suspect. 32-year-old Robert Bell, a friend of Roger Blackman, who owed Blackman money. Jean's son had made a lucrative living dealing drugs, but under the watchful eye of detectives, Blackman had to keep a low profile. He had given Robert Bell lumps of hashish, but the two differed on whether this was a present to a friend or a financial transaction. According to Bell, the drugs were a gift, but according to Blackman, Bell owed him thousands of pounds. A further problem the officers faced was that Robert Bell had left the country and was now living in the United States. When he became aware the police wanted to speak to him in connection with Terry Daddo's murder, Bell contacted Sun newspaper reporter Paul Hooper and explained that the killing was linked to another murder. In October 1991, a bloody torso was discovered in woodland off Broxmead Lane in the Sussex village of Bolney. Sadly, police were never able to identify the body, but according to Robert Bell, it was connected to the murder of Terry Daddo. If the police knew the link then they would crack open a huge drugs ring. Bell told Sun reporter Paul Hooper that Terry was involved with drug dealers and that he had been bumped off. Quote, Mr. Daddo was laundering the money, but began taking some of the drugs and talking too much. That is why he got blown away. During the phone call with the reporter, Robert Bell said he knew the police were wanting to interview him in connection with the murder, but he professed his innocence. Contact was eventually made, and officers from the Sussex Constabulary encouraged Bell to fly back to Britain so that he could be interviewed in relation to the murder. If he was truly innocent, they said, then he would have nothing to hide. With little choice as he would likely face extradition proceedings, Robert Bell returned and was brought in for questioning. He then revealed what the police already knew. 
The murder of Terry Daddo was a hit arranged by his wife. As the interview unfolded, Bell admitted that he was supposed to be the hit man. He said he agreed to kill Terry for the sum of £12,000 and he would be free of the drug debt he had accrued. He had driven to Jean and Terry Daddo's home on a number of occasions, but at the last minute, he came up with what he described as a feeble excuse, choosing not to carry out the murder. Pell had arrived in the village of Northium around 9am on the night of the killing, but he was unable to go through with it, so called Roger Blackman from a phone box. Allegedly, Blackman turned up around 45 minutes later and in a state of frustration, struck Bell. Bell claimed that when he stepped back, Blackman, Jean's son, stepped forward to take his place, driving Bell's car to the scene and using the gun he had obtained. According to Robert Bell, the mother and son thought it wise to pay for his silence, giving Bell £4,000 in cash shortly after the shooting. Aware that he might be linked to the crime, Bell discarded his clothing, including his shoes, and fled to the United States. As Robert Bell was being interviewed about everything that had happened, Jean Daddo was busy too, sending a letter to the Guardian newspaper professing her innocence and chronicling her life with Terry. Jean described in great detail the moment she found Terry fatally wounded in the hallway. She wrote, I could see Terry lying on the floor. His head was on the foot of the stairs. I sat on the stairs talking to him. I don't know how long I sat there for. I thought his lips moved. Was he trying to say something? His dark eyes were looking at me, blood dripping from his mouth. Once the letter was posted, Jean Daddo left her home to visit her parents in Biddenden, a village in Kent. Jean was not there to see her loved ones or to get away from the tension surrounding her home. She went there to end her life. Luckily, she was unsuccessful in the attempt and was rushed to the hospital. Just days later, Jean Daddo was well enough to be discharged, although she would not be able to return to the comfort of her home or her parents. She was taken into custody. Her son Roger Blackman and his friend Robert Bell also met the same fate. They too were also arrested. On March 19th, Jean Daddo was released on conditional bail, while Blackman and Bell were remanded into custody at Hastings Magistrates Court. An investigation into the Daddo's history revealed that while on the surface Terry and Jean appeared to be a well-rounded couple, appearances can be deceiving. It was unearthed that even before Jean married Terry, she sought to employ a willing accomplice to kill him. The murder for hire plot had been a slow burn, 
Eventually, Jean resorted to asking her son, and in turn involving him in her desire to permanently get her husband out of the picture. One afternoon, she had asked matter-of-factly, Do you know anyone who would kill Terry for around £1,000? In the months leading up to Terry Daddo's murder, the close-knit community and neighbours had noticed something different about Jean. Often when they saw her out and about, they noticed uncovered bruises and deep black eyes. Some people questioned her about the cause of the marks and injuries, and Jean explained that Terry was abusive. She claimed he had accused her of cheating with a construction worker who had come out to their home to carry out repairs. Jean wasn't afraid to expand on the issue she faced in her marriage, saying her husband had a drinking problem and had been suffering from depression, which only increased his alcohol consumption. One evening, Jean had unexpectedly showed up at the home of her neighbour, Angela Singer. Apparently, she was seeking a place to spend some time away from Terry. Speaking about Jean, Angela later recollected, her husband was depressed and had a few drinks. He had hit her, and I think he had thrown something at her. Jean told Angela that she loved her husband, but was fed up with the marriage. She did not think things would ever improve, and she wanted out. However, he would not let her leave, Angela said. Jean's diary was also later recovered, and within its pages she disclosed feeling like Terry's punching bag. While Jean wanted to separate from her husband, she described never being satisfied with a 50-50 split. Furthermore, she knew that Chapelfield Cottage was in Terry's name since it was purchased by one of his clients. Jean would tell her son, Roger Blackman, how upset she was. She spoke about Terry's constant drinking. She also mentioned what she described as his violent moods. In the letter written to the Guardian, she detailed these moods, telling the newspaper, There were a few occasions when he was violent. A couple of times I called the police but he was always sorry afterwards, and I knew it was his illness that caused it. It was not the real Terry that I knew and loved. Roger Blackman's girlfriend Rachel Carmichael could corroborate how she too would see Jean with fresh bruises. Over time, Blackman came to despise his mother's husband. He had never really warmed to Terry, blaming him for the breakup of his mother and father's marriage. When Jean first asked her son whether he knew anybody who would be willing to kill Terry, Blackman replied that he knew a few people who would do it for fun and then he would keep the money. When he relayed this conversation to his partner Rachel, she told him that it was a stupid idea, but Blackman just laughed and then dismissed the conversation. The more Jean Daddo talked about having her husband killed, 
the more the idea resonated with Roger Blackman, but neither he nor Jean wanted to carry out the murder themselves. They just needed to find somebody willing to do it. Roger Blackman had the perfect hitman in mind, Robert Bell, a former army lance corporal who Blackman had over a barrel, as he owed him thousands of pounds in a drug debt he would never be able to pay back. Blackman and his mother offered Bell £12,000 to carry out the murder, and he agreed. One afternoon before the killing, Jean had allowed Robert Bell to come to her home and scope out where the murder would occur. But unexpectedly, Terry appeared, and found Bell at the property with Jean. Thinking fast, she identified Bell as a badger-loving conservationist. Terry had been hounded by badgers who kept digging up his prized garden, so her explanation seemed plausible. Terry was just happy the badgers would be moved on. To keep up the ruse, after Robert Bell left the property, he spoke with several of the Dado's neighbours about the badger problem. A couple of nights later, Bell returned with a steel pipe and helmet that had been given to him by Roger Blackman. The original plan was that Bell would use the pipe as a weapon to beat Terry to death, but Terry was strong and the helmet was for Bell's own protection. Jean had left the back door unlocked However, the plan fell apart when Terry heard the intruder and armed himself with an axe. Robert Bell darted from the home, and the trio decided to come up with another idea. They considered a handful of other ways to have Terry Daddo killed, including abducting and shooting him, attacking him while he was walking alone near Dungeness running him over while taking Jean to her parents' home and poisoning him. Finally, they settled on what they believed was a foolproof method, murder with a shotgun. Days before the killing, Jean withdrew £12,000 from a bank account she shared with her husband. After Terry was fatally shot... From the top of the staircase, Jean observed Terry lying motionless on the floor. She waited before raising the alarm to make sure her husband was dead, and Robert Bell had enough time to make a quick getaway. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger. Feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Mother and son, Gene Daddo and Roger Blackman were ordered to stand trial on conspiracy to murder charges, while Robert Bell was charged with conspiracy to murder and murder. When the trial began at Hove Crown Court on February 23, 1993, the prosecution argued that Terry Daddo's life had been brought to an end for financial gain. They put forward the theory that Gene and Blackman wanted Terry dead so they could seize his fortune. During opening statements, Prosecutor Richard Camden Pratt QC detailed the doomed relationship of Terry and Gene Daddo. He told the jury of Gene's earlier attempts to find a hitman to kill her husband before they were even married. He then spoke of the injuries Gene had in the lead-up to the shooting. Pratt said, Mrs. Daddo and her son had come to hate Terry Daddo and decided to get rid of him. They thought they needed help to do that, and they paid for that help. The prosecutor conceded that Terry had displayed some degree of physical violence toward Gene before his murder, telling the court, On one occasion, she asked a neighbour for refuge, saying that he had beaten her and had a drink problem. She said she could not take the beatings that he gave her anymore. She wanted to leave him, but he would not let her. Despite maintaining his innocence, it was argued Robert Bell was the hitman, and Richard Camden Pratt QC went on to say, 
the conspiracy which all three were members of began as early as the summer of 1991, but not until November last year did he finally meet his death. Bell had no personal grudge against Harry Daddo. It was a pure contract killing. The first witness to testify was PC Anthony Smith, one of the responding officers. He told the jury that Jean was in tears, but not for long, and was easily comforted when offered words of condolence. The jury would then learn that while Roger Blackman and Robert Bell were in jail on remand, Blackman had attempted to get Bell killed. According to John Corrigan, an inmate on the same wing at Lewis Prison, Blackman approached him and inquired about the possibility of murdering his co-defendant. He suggested lacing some drugs with poison. Blackman also proposed that Corrigan could carry out the murder on the anniversary of Terry Daddo's death to make it look as though Bell had taken his own life due to feelings of remorse. John Corrigan testified, When we were alone in the cell, Blackman's words were that his barrister had told him that if Bell didn't have to appear in court to give evidence, then he would walk, get found not guilty. Blackman then asked me if I could have Bell done. I thought done meant a beating or threats. He then asked me how much it would cost, and I replied it would depend on how badly he wanted him done. He said... I want him killed. Although Roger Blackman would not take the stand during the murder trial, Robert Bell testified in his own defence. He told the jury that he believed he had been selected for the role of hitman because of his experience in the armed forces. He had served in the British Army and the French Foreign Legion. Bell admitted that he had initially agreed to carry out the murder after Roger Blackman had, quote, sucked him into a world of drug-taking and debt. He owed Blackman over £5,000 and at the time of the murder had become Blackman's lackey. Bell claimed that he never had any intention of going forward with the murder despite the fact he agreed to it while speaking with Blackman and Jean. He stated, Blackman said I could earn money that would not have to be repaid if I was to assist him and his mother in the killing of Terry Daddo. A couple of days after first discussing the plot, Bell met up with Jean Daddo and Roger Blackman once more, and Jean offered him £12,000 to commit the murder. Bell testified, Mrs. Daddo showed me the money at Blackman's house down at the garage. It was there in bundles of £1,000 in used notes in a light blue shoebox. They were taking it very seriously indeed. To their faces, I agreed to go along with it, but there was no intention at the time that this murder should take place. Robert Bell told the courtroom that Roger Blackman detested Terry Daddo 
because he had split up his mother and father, but also hated him because of his attitude toward his mother. Elle explained, On a number of occasions Blackman had gone up to the cottage to sort out arguments and had stood up to him, and on many occasions Blackman said he would have liked to have killed Terry Daddo. Bell went on to reveal that in the months leading up to Terry's murder, his wife and Jean's son had tried to poison Terry with LSD. Jean had routinely slipped it into his drinks, which explained the peculiar way Terry had written to the local newspaper, seeking to address the rumours surrounding his financial situation. Robert Bell recounted to the court how there were ten methods of murder considered by Jean Daddo and Roger Blackman, and seven different attempts were made before it was agreed that a shotgun was to be used. According to Bell, it was Blackman who carried out the murder, and Bell was paid £4,000 to keep quiet. Following Robert Bell's testimony, Jean Daddo took the stand. She spoke about the night of the murder, protesting that she was utterly unaware of what would unfold, describing how she was about to take a sleeping pill. Jean and her husband heard the doorbell. Terry went downstairs. Jean said, I heard a shout which I did not recognise as Terry's voice. Then I heard this horrendous bang almost at the same time. Jean explained that she came out of the room and peered over the banister to see Terry lying on the floor in their hallway. I came downstairs, she said. I could see he was bleeding slightly from the mouth and I could see a mark on his shirt. I just sat on the steps, just talking to him. Jean Daddo's barrister David Penry Davy QC asked, Did you at any time have any involvement in your husband's death? No, she replied. Under cross-examination by Stephen Miller QC, acting on behalf of Robert Bell, Jean was asked why she did not call 999 immediately, considering there were 15 minutes between the fatal shotgun blast and contact with the emergency services. Jean responded, I was just not thinking straight. During her time on the stand, Jean Daddo spoke about the abuse she had suffered. She still wore her wedding ring, and was besotted with Terry despite his violent outbursts. Jean claimed she was attacked by her husband because of Terry's mental state and the struggles brought on by the tumultuous divorce from his ex-wife, Teresa. Jean told the jury, He suffered a lot from depression. It was a sort of anxiety state brought on by aggression from his first wife. He started drinking heavily, which aggravated the depression and made him worse. Eventually, I persuaded him to go to the doctors, and then he started getting treatment, 
He was violent to me and hit me. He would only do it if he got drunk and lost his temper. Some of the rumours surrounding the couple were finally addressed during the trial. It was suggested in court that both Terry and Jean Daddo had been involved in an extortion plot, which included blackmailing vulnerable women with sexually explicit photographs taken after their drinks were laced with drugs. The exact details of what had occurred in regard to these crimes are not a matter of public record. After a trial that lasted several weeks and eight hours of deliberation, unanimous verdicts were announced. Jean Daddo and Roger Blackman were found guilty of conspiracy to murder. Neither showed any emotion as they learned their fate. Robert Bell shook his head in disbelief he was also found guilty of conspiracy to murder and murder. After the verdicts were handed down, Detective Superintendent Brian Foster called Jean Daddo cold and calculating and said she was motivated by hatred for Terry and sheer greed. Foster shared his belief that Jean had only married Terry with the intention of killing him so that she could steal his fortune. She was driven by dislike and greed, the detective stated. The likelihood is that she married Terry Daddo just to kill him. She showed very little emotion during questioning and throughout the trial. She stood to inherit a fortune of around £300,000 if he died and she and her son had grown to hate him throughout her marriage. In May 1993, Jean Daddo, Roger Blackman and Robert Bell shuffled into the Old Bailey to be sentenced. In an attempt to get some leniency for his client, Defence Counsel David Penry Davy QC insisted that there was genuine love and affection between Jean and Terry. However, he then added, I have to accept that those emotions were overcome in due course by others. Bell's defence counsel Stephen Miller QC referred to his client as a con man and a dreamer. He is not some dangerous hitman waiting for the next occasion when he can offer his services to kill someone. As for Blackman's barrister Colin Hart Leverton QC, he said, His motive was hate and not money. Before handing down the sentences, Gene Daddo, Roger Blackman and Robert Bell were addressed by Mr Justice Hidden. The judge told them, You put your heads together to conceive and carry out a killing which was cold-blooded and callous as can be imagined. Criminal conduct which is as calculated, as cynical, 
As violent and deadly as that is so serious that it can only properly be dealt with by a custodial sentence and a very long one at that. Mr Justice Hidden then turned to the mother and son and said, You were the instigators of this conspiracy. It was you who brought in a stranger to destroy the life of Terry Daddo. You conceived the idea. You persisted in the plan over a protracted period with a determination that was cold, calculating and cynical. You saw it through to completion, through the cold-blooded firing of that shotgun. Gene Daddo and Roger Blackman were both sentenced to 18 years in prison. Robert Bell was sentenced to life in prison with a recommendation he served 15 years. He also received a concurrent 18-year sentence for conspiracy to murder. So where are we now? All three of the defendants appealed the outcome of the trial. However, after Roger Blackman was refused leave by a single appeal judge, he abandoned his application. In Jean Daddo's argument for leave to appeal, a review of her mental state was presented, conducted by psychiatrist Dr Eastman. While Eastman confirmed that no argument could be made for a case of diminished responsibility, he did note that, quote, as regards the various ways that she was restricted in her contact with her children or friends, and in the way in which she became somewhat socially isolated, then this must be seen as having had a deleterious emotional effect upon her. Secondly, it was argued that Jean Daddo's role in the crime was lesser than her co-defendants, and she should not have received the same sentence. In their ruling on the arguments, Lord Justice Rose, Mr Justice Jowett and Mr Justice Morbick highlighted that Jean Daddo had argued at trial that she was in no way involved in the killing and was still struggling to accept that fact. No mention of her mental state was ever made before the jury, certainly not to defend her actions. The judges felt that while abuse did occur in the home, it was not as serious as the appellant suggested, not to mention the fact that she entered into a premeditated plot to have her husband murdered, which spread over many weeks and involved numerous previous attempts. Lord Justice Rose said that Jean Daddo was fortunate not to be indicted for murder as she was present in the house, able to help at the time of the killing and had already helped to ensure that her husband was available to meet his fate. The application for leave to appeal was denied and Jean Daddo's sentence was deemed appropriate. For three years, Robert Bell did not challenge the jury's verdict. However, he appeared to have a change of heart when he chose to appeal both his conviction and sentence. According to Bell's defence team, they had new evidence. 
a fellow inmate who was in the same prison as Roger Blackman and also charged with murder, had overheard Blackman confess to being the gunman. Two unsigned statements were made about the alleged admission. However, after this point, the witness refused to cooperate with Bell's defence team. Furthermore, it was argued that the trial judge, Mr Justice Hidden, had made several errors in his summation of the case. However, Lord Justice McCowan, Mr Justice Popplewell and Mr Justice Morris Kay concluded that none of the arguments made by Bell's defence counsel held any merit whatsoever, and Robert Bell's conviction and sentence remained unchanged. In 2011, Jean Daddo, Roger Blackman and Robert Bell were all able to apply for parole. Their current whereabouts are unknown. you for listening and special thanks to our patreon supporters for more information on this episode please see the show notes or visit our website they walk among us podcast.com It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.